It's the perfect season to fall in love with the road. Kramer Mazda, North Hill Mazda, and Stony Trail Mazda have over 250 rides available to drive your autumn adventures. Get savings up to $4,000 or 0% financing on all clear-out models. Drive as much as you want with an unlimited mileage warranty, plus get immediate delivery so you don't have to wait to hit the streets. So plan that fall trip to the mountains or explore the city. We've got you covered. Get back on the road with great offers from Stony Trail Mazda, North Hill Mazda, or Kramer Mazda. Hey there, it's Codette LaBarbera and Bridget Whitney. We are pretty pumped to invite you to eavesdrop while we chat with some of our favorite badasses in and beyond the hockey world. The arena goal horn doesn't blow when people have success off the ice, so we want to blow it here. Did you say blow? Oh, I might have. Codette likes to rap while eating kale and chewing healthy juice on our way to Super Momet, sell real estate, or change the world one philanthropic moment at a time. Bridge smashes coffee and makes up the words her favorite songs, needs to set an alarm on her phone for almost every appointment in life because she's always late. She's busy managing her three kids, dancing addiction, and website for pro hockey families. If we lived together, we would high-five each other at 4.45 a.m. when I'm just getting up and Bridget is headed to bed, each a vampire in our own right. Both of us love our families, each other, and our insanely awesome hockey community. So pour yourselves a drink of choice and saddle up because the boys aren't the only ones with stories. We respectfully welcome our guest, Emily Cave. She has been a voice for mental health awareness for the past few years and is bravely navigating her own unimaginable journey after the sudden passing of her love and newlywed husband, Colby Cave. We invite you to join us in empathy as we honor her story today. Well, welcome, Emily. Thank you. How are you? So you're in Arizona? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm in Arizona. It's still 100 degrees here. I know. Kodat's in Calgary. Wendy Tippett sends me like the temperature every day and I'm like it's getting cold here like it's yeah, rain in the Arizona sun you might have to uh zip off and escape to her place for I know she's away. trying to convince me to come she's the so. most amazing place it's unbelievable what what made you pick Edmonton um so when like Cole passed away we we're gonna we trained in Boston during the summer so we were going to get a house in Boston, um, but then he had like the P1 visa, so then I couldn't because I'm Canadian, yeah. um, but I was going to go back to Boston, but I decided uh, when the Oilers like started the foundation, I was like, oh, I'll come out um, awesome, and go to Edmonton, and like Wendy's out here, and the whole team, like the girls are really like amazing here. Yeah. Um, I wasn't going to stay in Ontario. So yeah. I don't think I'll ever go back there for a while. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. We'll yeah, get there well, yeah. one day. That's true. Um, obviously, the story that we all know of you at this point is a sad one. <laughs> but we really want to start by celebrating Colby's life and your life together and yeah. just sharing some stuff about your love story because we think it's so sweet and right now we've been learning so much about it on social media but we're just really kind of anxious and excited to talk to you about it and let you um share some of the warmth yeah um i was like i'll always say like i'm so grateful for like colby bringing me into the hockey world um i was like super hesitant at first um, so as I shared on uh, Instagram or just kind of like in other interviews, he actually stalked me for two years. <laughs> hey, where were you? Where? where, where was I, he was in Swift Current. So he was playing in the W at the time. And then I was in Ontario. Um, and I'm originally from Ontario and he's from Saskatchewan. Uh, so yeah, he had found me. I came up on his home feed or something and he looked at one of his teammates and they were in the locker room and I think he was like 18 and he was like, this is my dream girl. I'm going to marry her one day. And he had like not met me or anything. No way. Yeah. Were you, were you popping up on his feed because of mutual friends or... I think that, sometimes what, that happens, right? Or you're, you're following yeah. the same accounts. And so that's how it happens. I think so. I think that's how it happened. Um, that's so. a pretty good stalker though. Like at least he's cute and like, <laughs> he's persistent. Yeah. <laughs> he was very persistent. And then, yeah, he followed me or like he, yeah, kept messaging me for like two years, liking all my stuff. And I wouldn't give him the time of day. Cause I was like, you're in another province. Like I'm in Ontario 
you play hockey. I was kind of judgmental, which now I regret because I just like <laughs> didn't want to get involved. And I was like, didn't know too much about hockey. And then one day I caved to one of his many DMs. That was our wedding hashtag, Cold Made M Cave. Like, that literally. Is love so cute. Did, um, so was he just DMing this whole time, but you weren't responding? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't respond at all? <laughs> no, I literally didn't respond until he had posted like a photo. Uh, I think his like Instagram thing is like caveman10. And I don't know, I posted a photo and he liked it again. And I'm like, ugh, this guy again. And then I had creeped his profile again. Yeah, I was going to ask when you started to creep him. That has to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, he had posted a picture with like his little billet sister, um, one of them. And I was like, oh, the billet sister is cute. Mm. <laughs> so I liked the photo back. And I think he sent me a message and he was on the bus because in the W they like bus all the time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, finally, like you finally like, <laughs> like one of my photos. Um, so then, yeah. And then it turned out his billet sister was the flower girl at our wedding, one of the flower girls. So yeah. yeah. Oh, so cute. So he hooked you in with like playing kind of a big brother role. Yeah. Yeah. He did. Mm-hmm. Kind of like yeah. when I hear that guys like go take dogs for walks so they can hundred oh, percent start conversations with people. That's what I used to always tell like my single neighbors. I'm like, take my dog. Like he's like a lady killer. Like take him, go. <laughs> I love Your it. Cove's like, oh, finally, hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So yeah, he and then yeah, I finally replied, and then the rest is the whole. Story. So then, when, how did you guys first meet, like in person? Then, if so I had friends in Providence, um, and he had gone to go play in the AHL there during his first season. Um, so I had kind of just decided that I was going to be a little risk taker and book a flight. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, I went to Providence and he had picked me up at the Boston Logan airport. Cause I flew like from Toronto. Um, and I landed at Boston Logan. I walked right past him. Um, and I guess wasn't really paying attention. I was super nervous and he like ran up behind me and he like kind of grabbed my arm to be like, Hey, um and he turned me around and he grabbed my face and he kissed me (gasps) (laughs) oh that was like okay (laughs) you are uh yeah set uh yeah he was set on me for sure and then I think that in the car driving back to Providence he's like I'm gonna marry you one day like he was just very persistent I love the confidence yeah yeah I was like you are nuts but then I fell for it. <laughs> Did you were you guys FaceTiming at all before this? Trip? Oh yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yes. I think it I think it did help. He was a hockey player at that point in time because like you could Google him. Like right. you knew he wasn't like a serial killer or anything that yeah. I was flying to the States to visit. Um yeah. What did so, your family yeah. say about that? Did you tell anyone you were going? I feel like I'd be like, okay, this is where I'm gonna be. Keep me on your life 360. I my family knew I was going away. They didn't know all the details, um, but my best friends did. Okay. So they knew like kind of everything, and they had my like location on at all times. Kodak, <laughs> <laughs> you just said that's some confidence, but like there's like cockiness in them that is like oh not yeah in a shitty way, but I feel mm. like it's very attractive. You're like totally he knows what he wants, and in in a respectful way. Like some of them maybe aren't, but like. The fact yeah. that he grabs your face and just lays a smooch on you at the beginning. Yeah, he was like yeah. super, yeah, super confident. Did you kiss but him did... back right then? I think I like pulled away. I don't really remember. He remembers it more. He remembers a lot of stuff better than me. But he, <laughs> yeah, I like kind of pulled away. And I think I kind of like gave him a look like a, and then I was like, I have to go to the washroom. And then I ran <laughs> to the washroom. <laughs> Freshen up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, was he, oh my God, that's. Was he everything you thought he was going to be when you met him in person then? Yeah. Yeah. Like I came home from that weekend and I told like all my friends and family and I was like, I'm going to marry him. Like I said, the exact same thing. I like knew right away when I flew home. Um, And then I think I was home for like a few days and then he booked me a flight back like right away. Uh I love that. And then how long did you guys date before you got engaged? Uh, Two and a half years. 
Okay. Almost three. Yeah. Okay. So. And then you were living the hockey life. Like, was he in the AHL yeah. at the time? A little bit up and down, and. Yeah, a little bit up and down. Um, in the year we got engaged, we went to. He started off and he went to China with like the Bruins. So he was with Boston then. Then after that, got sent down to Providence. I think we were down in Providence like two or three weeks, and then went back up to Boston. Um, so then of course you do like the move back up Mm -hmm. and then, um, we were up in Boston and then we ended up going on waivers in January. And then that's when we got sent to Edmonton and then we were in Edmonton the rest of the season. So it was crazy trying to plan a wedding, um, and move to like a few different places, but we did it. (laughs) Just multi multitasking. Yeah, I think there was a post and I had shared it after the summer you guys got married and I had shared it because when I read your post, I was like, are you kidding me? It was like mm-hmm. 22 moves in 19 months. Nothing yeah. screams the hockey life more than it that sentence. Was I remember that Bridget said it from the beginning, like we need to have Emily Cave on the podcast. Like look at all they're moving. And she sent me that picture and I was like, oh God, that just gives me anxiety. Like the way I feel when I see a U-Haul now and I'm like, oh, it's not me driving it. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, we never had like a home base and we all just kind of like rented where we went. So everything we just brought with us and just then we do like rent of furniture, mm-hmm. um, some furniture we kept, but yeah, we were like, yeah, yo-yo for yeah. a very long time, but it's something like, I remember during it, like I was thinking it today um when you're like moving and of course like the boys leave right away and you're just left to like do everything (laughs) I was like during those times I'd be like this is horrible it sucks and then today I'm like I kind of miss like I feel like I'm like edgy like I'm like I feel like I have to move again or like I feel like yeah it's gonna be like a new season or something so I definitely like looking back I'm like I kind of miss it now (laughs) besides his confidence what was one of your favorite things about Colby um what attracted you to him just his like the way he well like obviously his smile they talk like everyone talks about like his big smile but just the way he lived like I remember the first weekend that I was there and he was making we had just gone back from the airport and he was like making dinner one night and he just starts like putting on music and grabs my hand and dances with me in the kitchen like he was just so like carefree um live life to the fullest um I like was hardly ever angry like I don't think I've ever like seen him just like love life you've never met someone that loved life so much um and there'd be like times I'd be like you're almost too happy like (laughs) you're happy all the time like do you ever get upset um which I'm sure he like he did a few times but yeah nothing like yeah, that was definitely just the way he like lived his life and carried himself um, was pretty, pretty special and definitely like really unique, um, especially in like hockey. Like sometimes it can be like so cutthroat or being sent up or sent down and so many comments um, coaches on the Bruins and the Oilers GMs. They said anytime they sent him up or sent him down, he never got mad. Like he was like, okay, what can I work on? Or yeah okay, what can I do? And he was just grateful to either go back down and work on more or go back up. Um, and like so many teammates have reached out like so many and they're like, it was crazy because there would be sometimes that obviously other players are called up when others deserve it more. And one player was like, there was a time I was called up and I knew that Colby deserved to go up more than me, but Colby sent me a message and was like, good luck, man. Like hope to never see you down here again. Like stay up in the NHL. Like you're going to do great. Like he did that for everyone. Mm-hmm. So like hearing those stories is pretty, pretty like special imagine the lessons that he just by doing that and acting like from his heart and sending those genuine messages, those guys now will send those messages out too. Yeah. You know, it will forever spread because sometimes you need, you remember those people in your life that that reached out and when things were tough, I can remember even in Ray's career, the same thing, like he had got, he'd gotten sent down. We were in San Jose and I can tell you the two people that contacted me and this was over 25 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know? It's it just, a lot. it made, it made me more aware than throughout the rest of our journey to try to be that person. I'm, I don't think I was enough, but, um, 
anyways, I just remember it. So it's cool that he was that person and he will be for a long time because I feel like those guys are going to continue to say, totally. Colby Cave did this when I got called up. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Were you, um, like you say, like he was kind of like a silly guy and obviously very positive. Were you like that at all before? Do you think that he brought that out in you? he totally brought that out in me. Um, I was like such a homebody, like wouldn't really just kind of like stuck to my core. Um, and then in hockey, you meet so many people and you like almost have to be outgoing. Like you have Mm -hmm. to like make friends and do all that. So that was definitely something like my parents and like sister and all my friends can tell you, like he definitely brought that out in me because I was more like the shy, like timid, um, one and he was like no Emily like life of the party so yeah yeah, I really I really appreciate that too and I feel like even now I was just talking about it today um with my family like um anytime I like do something like I'm not gonna say fun but I went out to dinner and I was like Cole would be proud of me that I'm like going out to dinner or like Mm -hmm. things like that because that's something like Cole loved to do um so like he kind of taught me that and I'm trying to like honor him by like still doing things that like he made me do mm-hmm. um and open my eyes to um so yeah he he definitely brought out that he definitely brought out the fun M. I don't think I was fun before I met him <laughs> maybe I was probably like fun but like I wasn't Colby Cave fun yeah. <laughs> he needed true. a sidekick so you were the yeah. yeah it was Man, good I was like the tamer he was like the wild one. Yeah, you gotta have one who can rein it in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember your first game that you went to to watch him? Yes, I do. Um, it was in Providence. So I don't know still to this day, like I don't know too much about hockey. Like I couldn't tell you. I know the puck goes in the net and there's fighting. Like that's all I kind of know. <laughs> um, Basics. So I kind of, I don't think I paid attention, to be honest. I think the girls were there and we just talked the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like that's such a classic thing to do. Like, you just kind of sit with the girls and talk. Um, so I remember talking with a bunch of the girls and then we went out uh, after, uh, like, Chantel Irwin, Matt Irwin's wife was there. Um, she was awesome. She kind of took me uh, under her wing during that time. She was amazing. She was that's incredible. Awesome. And has your, how's the hockey family been for you throughout this last few months? Um, you guys have like, I say it all the time. Like I, I wouldn't be here without the hockey family. Like you guys have kept me alive. You've kept me afloat. You've been beyond supportive, beyond incredible. Um, obviously family and friends um, have been really incredible too, but I think the hockey family is so, so unique. Um, And there's just some things that unless you're in the hockey family, you like don't get and you become so close in a different sense. So there's been so many girls on teams that I haven't even been on or haven't met and they are checking in every single day. Um, Obviously the Oilers and the Bruins from day one have been like there's there's no words at one point in time um at one point in time I think at my parents house there was like 80 bouquets of flowers like it was like every NHL team every AHL team NHL officials coaches NHLPA um yeah they've been you guys have definitely kept me afloat by far so I'm really grateful for that yeah when you're you're right when you say it's like the hockey family is just so unique yeah and I think the whole situation was unique and then obviously during like COVID um it was like super super hard I mean some of the girls I haven't seen any of the Bruins girls yet um and then some of the Oilers girls I haven't really seen yet either um just because of COVID and then the hub cities um so like I look forward to the day when we can like all get together in person like FaceTime's wonderful and texting yeah. but it's like a drastic difference when you can like see people yeah um, and all of that so I really am, like counting down the days when yeah definitely the, the interaction and the and the warmth because I don't know people we need each other 
And I mean, yeah. I can be looking at this screen and although I've never met you in person, I would rather just be able to give you a hug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's a so. little different. I think too, that especially, I don't know, like just continuing on with the strength of our hockey family and the support of it all, especially in tragedies, like we celebrate one another all, you know, we try to do that all the time. Um, but especially in moments of hardship, we really come together and that's when we're needed the most, I think. Yeah, I agree. Like, obviously, as you say, like when you go to like new teams or weddings or like baby showers, there's always that like support, but I, my parents and my sister and everyone, like even my other friends are just so taken back in such a good way by how incredible the hockey like community and family has been so I'm really I'll always be grateful to Cole for bringing me into it because I think he knows I need it now more than ever so yeah yeah and and they're not going away for you so I hope I hope you know that obviously I feel like you can feel it but I I I really do believe that it will just be a part of you forever and everyone will feel that I'm really, really, really lucky. That's for sure. Um, really lucky. I know COVID has been such a shit show. Um, and then obviously not being able to be with everybody has been crazy, but COVID was COVID the reason why you decided to go home? So I actually, um, they were, we were in Bakersfield. I think we had just gotten sent down like recently. Um, we were in Bakersfield. They went to Michigan um, to play against Grand Rapids and the season was canceled. Um, so they were flying back and kind of another weird um, thing was the Wednesday when they were flying out to Michigan. Um, I just had this like really bad feeling. And I remember like the guys go on trips all the time. Like they leave on the road. Like I'm like, have fun, check you later. Like you kind of get used to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was something when Colby was leaving for Grand Rapids, I had this like horrible feeling that something was going to happen to him. Mm -hmm. And I was like crying and I'm never like that when he goes on the road. Um, and I was like, I just have this really bad feeling. And I didn't know if it was like the anxiety of COVID or what was going on, but I'd like talked to someone on the team about it. And I was like, this is kind of odd. Like I just kind of have this weird feeling. And then he came back from Michigan and then I actually wasn't feeling good. So I ended up getting tested for COVID. Um, but my results took 17 days to get back because it was like in the thick of it. Yeah. So we just, everyone had left Bakersfield right away. Like they just got out because um, the border was, gonna close right and did they cancel Um, the AHL season right away because the NHL paused but the AHL they just yeah they were done um so we knew that we were going to be moving back so everyone was just kind of leaving and we just kept waiting on like the team doctor down there to like give me my results and it ended up being like a thing called like valley fever it's from like the bad air quality but it was kind of the same symptoms as COVID so we waited, me and Cole were in Bakersfield for 17 days, just waiting for these results. And then when we got the results back, we were kind of like, we didn't know where to go because we were going to get a place in Boston, but we're Canadian. So we wanted to get back across the border. Um, so he's from Saskatchewan. I'm from Ontario. Um, my parents have like a apartment in like their basement like it's fully like furnished kitchen and everything so we're like we'll go to Ontario because then we can be separated um and no one has to like quarantine from us right um so we decided as soon as we got those results we'd fly back and we flew back Thursday we landed late late Thursday night my parents had like a bunch of like welcome home signs to like Canada and like their friends, they had like a car convoy and we like jumped in one car with like the keys in it and then drove back. Um, so that was Thursday night and Cole got sick Monday night. So like another thing is like, thank God we weren't in Bakersfield when it all went down because none of our family or any, like any of the teammates were still there that like I would have been alone all by yourself in Bakersfield and no one I think actually Jay Woodcroft the head coach was still there but everyone else would have been gone so just like that timing of getting over um for a few days was like really a blessing if you want to call it that because I don't know what 
I would have been alone. Like it would have been yeah. horrible. Yeah. Um, so and, yeah. And it would have been harder even at that point for anyone to get to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. they wouldn't have let anyone. I was, when I, when it was all kind of going down, I, and like shortly after he passed away, I'm like, maybe Wendy Tippett would have came <laughs> to help me from Aaron. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh yeah. She I don't know who else like yeah. would have been able to get through. Like they wouldn't have let anyone through. So I'm really, yeah. They like, would have let Wendy Tippett through. People would have come. <laughs> she was already here. We would have, yeah. I yeah. was on the phone with her during those few days as well. So uh, yeah, she would have been there for sure. Yeah, it was essentially like the last three weeks of Colby's life. We were together twenty four seven because we were quarantining in Bakersfield. So I'm, I am grateful we had those seventeen days. And Colby's like, "Oh, let's start Grey's Anatomy because it's a long few seasons that like we have time yeah. to watch it all." Um, and looking back now, we are watching Grey's Anatomy, and there's obviously episodes in Grey's Anatomy that as a 25 and 26 we would have never talked about but we had these like hypothetical conversations about like organ donors life support all of that and like oh what would you want or oh what like we were just talking about it because we were watching it and had I not been in Bakersfield for those 17 days when I got back to Canada I was making all those decisions and I wouldn't have known because we had just talked about it so just weird things when you look back you think about that and you're like puzzle pieces coming together a little bit I think you could say a bit um just kind of how weird that yeah it all yeah and the fact then when that you didn't have to guess at what his wishes would have been for things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had those. And you're right. When you're a young couple, those aren't the conversations you have necessarily, not until later. Yeah. yeah. And they're important ones to have. Yeah. Yeah. I That's- encourage all young couples now to have wills and mm-hmm. all of that. Cause it's, you don't want to think about it, but it definitely makes your life a lot easier. Too. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's certainly, an easier conversation when it's hypothetical as to when you're placed in the throes of it and you have to make that decision on your own. What were his symptoms? If you don't want to talk about this part, I just want to open the door for you. If this is, if you'd like to. No, I'm like totally uh, open about it. So the Monday he was fine. Like totally we're outside playing with the dog. We had a glass of wine and the backyard with my parents like social distancing like they were on the upper deck we were on the ground um he had a we went to like Hillsong Boston it's like a church in Boston when we played there he had an interview with them um from like nine to ten on Instagram live um Keith Gretzky called him at so nine to ten was his Instagram live again perfectly fine he was working out right before made a salad did the interview 1035 Keith Gretzky called him and was like hey when the NHL comes back you're gonna come up and be one of the black aces um so Keith Gretzky was the last one to talk to him we had Grey's Anatomy on um and then I noticed he was like kind of pale a bit um and I just thought like he was just working out like whatever. Um, and then he was like, oh, I kind of have a headache. So I was like, well, why don't we just finish this episode and then go to bed? Um, so we finished the episode. And then at 11.06, um, he was having like a pretty, really bad headache. And like cold never like the, so when he ended up getting sick, they went through all the medical records on the teams like Providence, Boston, Bakersfield. And like, he never asked for Tylenol, Advil, like he never had headaches, no concussions, nothing. Um, so 11.06, he had a really bad headache. And I was kind of texting my sister, that's a nurse. Um, and I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. Um, and then I was like, cold, like, it could be like something else. Like, it could be like, like a tumor I I did say tumor like I was like cold like because he was in a lot a lot of pain um and then it kind of died down and it just stopped like he was probably in pain for like a good like five or ten minutes like a really bad headache so my sister and him were like it's probably just a migraine like a really bad migraine and we're just gonna sleep it off 
Um, so he went to sleep and then he woke up in the middle of the night and was puking like four times. Um, so again, we kind of thought that was weird, but he was like, we didn't know because COVID, like we're just, yeah, were you you thinking it was COVID at this time? I did say like, but I mean, that wasn't a symptom. So I was like, it could be COVID. And then I was like, cold, like we should go to the emergency. But he was like, I don't know if, like, we didn't know if they would let him because he had just flown in from the state. So like with the quarantining, like Mm -hmm. essentially we were in quarantine. Mm -hmm. Um, So he just like, yeah, he had a bad headache. He would have bad headaches and then he'd get up and puke and then it'd be feel better. And then he'd lay down. Um, So it was kind of like, I was starting to get a little bit more worried just because like Cole was never like, I can't even remember him having a runny nose. Like this guy was like the epitome of health. Um, so I thought that was really, really odd. Um, so again, I was like kind of texting my sister. She's in BC. So it was a West coast, East coast. So there was a few hour time difference. And my sister was like, we'll just keep an eye on it, whatever. And he was kind of had like a little bit of a fever, but I wouldn't say anything crazy. So we just thought, again, migraine, Migraine. probably Mm -hmm. like not feeling good, whatever. Then we went to sleep again, like he would kind of get up, puke, and then we went to sleep. And then 6.30, I had rolled over and I had put my like hand on his like cheek, like with my like thumb under his ear. And he was like frozen. And I was like, what is going on? Um, So I was like, Kolb, Kolb. And he was mumbling um, and like couldn't speak. Um, So I took his temperature and he was hypothermic. And then my parents were upstairs, like they were sleeping. And I just threw on like toilet rubber gloves and a mask. And I just started screaming. Like I just ran up to my parents' room and I'm like, something's wrong with Kolb. Something's wrong with Kolb. Um, We were like calling, like trying to get like a telehealth um, number. And they were saying like 17 hour wait. Um, We had like called Emerge being like, what do we do? Like he's in quarantine. the one emerge was like, well, we don't want to take him because he was just in the States. Like everyone was so, so afraid of COVID at this time. Oh, and we were just oh like, this is so bad. Um, and then I ran back. My dad had gotten a doctor on the phone, like through a Zoom thing. And we're like, what do we do? Like, this isn't good. Um, we called an ambulance. He stumbled back to the family room area where there was a couch. Um, and by the time he did that, it was minutes and by the time I had gone to the couch he was unresponsive so then I'm just screaming um my parents are upstairs um I'm just like on top of him just like it would the are we had a puppy and the puppy was on top of him the paramedics are like rushing um when they're like unresponsive and not like breathing like I was just they are doing all these tests. Um, and I just, my parent, they wouldn't let my parents down because of COVID. So I'm down in the basement alone. Um, and my parents are like upstairs because they wanted to separate us. Um, it was horrible. And then they had gotten him into the ambulance. Um, and they went to I wasn't allowed in the ambulance because of COVID like but he that was the thing that bothered me like he was unresponsive he couldn't talk or anything and they just told me to write down everything on a sticky note so write down his health card number write down my cell phone number everything um because they wouldn't take his wallet or his phone um but again this is all new because it's all COVID so I couldn't go anywhere um and then I had called one of my best friends who's a paramedic and I was like you need to get me into that hospital um so she contacted someone at the hospital um and they rushed down to the emergency doctor and the emergency doctor on the phone had originally told me he was like yeah you actually need to get here now um we think it's a brain bleed and we're helicoptering him to Sunnybrook so that's kind of where the brain bleed situations kind of got around, but there was actually never any blood in the brain. Um, it was like uh, on the CT scan, it looks like blood, but it ended up being like the spinal fluid from the colloid cyst, but they couldn't see that until they were in surgery. Like the spinal fluid had like filled his brain. Okay. Um, 
so when I had gotten to RVH, which is the Barry hospital, um, they were like really obviously intense with COVID too. So I could see him, he was already like medically induced a coma, um, right away. And I could see him from behind like a, a glass window. Um, and then I was begging them, I'm like, can you let me on the helicopter? They wouldn't let me on the helicopter. Um, but I did get to touch him when they were bringing him out of the room uh, to board onto the helicopter. Um, I got to like hold him, like not hold, like I was on top of him and they're, my parents were like, Emily, like he's got to go. And my poor parents are like trying to pull me off of him. And like, it was very traumatic um and they're just rushing so fast but I mean even during that time that was something so new to me I I get to the hospital and the first person I called was his agent and I was like something's wrong with Cole um what do I do um because I knew obviously the media was somehow going to get a hold of this I didn't know how bad but I knew that people had to know um so then it was within minutes um nhl doctors were calling the oilers bruins um it didn't stop they were calling um, they were calling you at this point or yeah just, yeah yeah um because they needed to know like what was going on um and then they needed uh like statements so that was like a whole f- new thing to me is kind of like his agent was like we need a statement now so people were finding out like friends and family were finding out before I could even contact them Codette and I are sitting here obviously with our mouths hanging open and our hearts (laughs) throwing our hearts at you this like living through this horrific and traumatic traumatic experience for you and now you you are trying to you can't did you feel like you couldn't even deal with your own emotions like at this point mm-hmm. and you're trying to be this PR yeah. person I don't know is that the I, right I was a PR like, person because they're you were the only middle person between Colby and, yeah. and what was happening how did um, you manage then to try and figure out your own emotions I'm guessing you would be in shock at this point I was in yeah I was in a state of shock for sure um they took him in the helicopter and then we went back to my parents place and I was just throwing things in um and that's when I said to my mom um we got a call Wendy Tippett we got a call Julie Cassidy um and we got to call Kelly Backus. Those were the three people I needed to call. Um, at that point, they're the only, other than my sister, um, my dad was in contact with my sister, um, but those were the three people that I knew if those three women knew it would be filtered down appropriately. Um, so my mom kind of called them, kind of gave in the fill in the blanks of what we knew, but we didn't know really anything yet we knew we had thought there was blood in the brain but we didn't know we had, we had no idea how bad it was going to be at that point in time but I do remember being on the phone with Kelly Backus and I was just throwing things in a suitcase and I remember being like Kelly get David like it's bad um and I told both of them on the phone um and then I was walking out the door with my suitcase um, and Cole had already landed. He was like in Toronto within like 20 minutes. And the neurosurgeon was already calling me being like, we don't have time to put him in an MRI machine. Like he's very unstable. We're just rushing him into surgery, but we need permission because you're not here yet. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, I'm not going to say like, do everything you can. Like, but they, because I wasn't physically there, they were calling for permission. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I, I hung up the phone and we were kind of just rushing into the car and I looked at my mom and I said, I'm going to have to pick out an outfit for my husband's funeral. I just, I knew it in my gut. I knew something was like really bad. Um, I just knew it. Like I knew it was not good. I can't even like imagine how surreal that feeling would be. Like, like you said, you guys were watching like Grey's Anatomy and you're watching all that like trauma on a show. And now all of a sudden it's like, 
your reality. Like I just, I just, I don't even know, like Bridget said, like, how do you wrap your feelings around that? Like, I just, how do you process something like this? I remember, yeah, we had gotten to Toronto. I think the worst part for me was when we had gotten to Toronto. Um, my parents had to stay down in the lobby. Obviously, Colby's family, the Oilers got them on flights right away. Um, and I was sitting in a room and there was only a few chairs and it was only me in there and it was a critical care unit and they all came in and with COVID they had so much PP on and I could see it in their eyes that it wasn't good and I just remember them being like it's we need a miracle like they were like it wasn't a brain bleed he had a colloid cyst well I didn't know what a colloid cyst was like I was just sitting there um and they were like he's like if he wakes up, they said like he would be in a wheelchair and I'd have to feed him for the rest of his life. Um, and that was the moment I remember, I didn't know who, like, I, I just felt like you said, like a PR person in it. I I was like, okay, who do we call now? Like, I just went into like almost like robot mode. Mm -hmm. Um, I had like a good, Originally, when they first told me, I was like rock, like I was a mess. Um, so they actually let my parents like come up um, and be with me because I was 26 sitting in this room. It was within 14 hours of his first headache at 11. By within 14 hours, I was told he wasn't going to make it um, all by myself. And then they let my parents come up. And I just, I think I went into adrenaline robot mode. Like I just started making calls. Um, Obviously, we were very careful with statements. Um, we kind of, we said colloid cyst and not that much more. Um, people like Bob Nicholson, Dave Tippett, um, Bruce Cassidy, Don Sweeney, the, they knew how bad it was, um, but we didn't, in case there was a miracle, um, we didn't want to put it out right away. I was sitting there. And the, one of the doctors come back in and he was like, okay, so we need to talk to you about something. And I was like, what more do you need to talk to me about? And he was like, people are calling, um, into the hospital pretending to be you are part of the Oilers organization. So we need to make Colby unidentified. Um, and that only the one Oilers doctor could call in with a password or myself to get information because the media had known that he was at Sunnybrook. So people were calling, being like pretending to be like trying to get all this information for the media. Crazy. And my parents were just like, this is abnormal. Like, yeah. I mean, you could, I couldn't even process that. No. What? In a a normal state, never mind in the state that you were in. And so yeah, we had like, okay passwords um they would only talk to me um for the one Oilers doctor and I was just like what just happened to my life like we were just fine mm-hmm. and now it's like everywhere a completely different life a completely yeah. different life yeah um so that was like a big media moment for me um even the weeks or the days during that time um the media was really bad um when Colby passed away there was camera people in my parents driveway I wouldn't leave the house because media was just constantly there um sadly you're you're thrust into this weird celebrity situation that yeah in the in the worst way yeah did you how did you get how do you get over that part were you angry at the time or were you able to just kind of separate yourself I think I was so the media didn't anger me I was just I was so angry they wouldn't let me be with Colb Mm -hmm. um during those four days Mm -hmm. that's really where my anger was totally at um I'm glad that the media wasn't taking up that space in your mind yeah I would say the media now is more a lot um as like weeks have followed I think during that time I was just so in a state of shock I couldn't even process at all um and I, I didn't leave a, the house yeah I kind of feel like that's your 
body and mind's way of protecting you at mm -hmm, when yeah. you go through something like that. Do yeah. you agree? I totally, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I wanted to like a full on robot, like shock mode. Um, but it's more things like now that I'm like people coming up to like, I, I feel like hockey girls understand like sometimes when people come up to the guys, like you're the person that gets like handed the phone to like take the picture. Like you're not the one like in the public eye. So mm -hmm. you kind of have those moments. But now for me, I realize the media like that much more. Like I'm constantly stopped. People know where like or sending messages or anything. And it's just reliving that like it's so nice when people send like condolences or mm -hmm. people come up to me but there's sometimes that I'm like I don't want to talk about this right okay um so that was like one thing that I say to people like I've gotten better at like I don't want to talk about this to people in like the public but obviously you guys like totally understand it like it's pretty yeah pretty crazy at times and it's good that you can like learn just to say like and it's not rude it's not anything like just that you can say it you know I don't want to talk about it yeah and people yeah. can respect that. Sometimes at Starbucks, I just don't feel like crying more than I usually do. Fair. <laughs> and you would yeah. be very, I don't know, you're in a city too where Edmonton is, hockey players in Canada are the biggest celebrities of all. They yeah. are. And, and it, you really live in a fishbowl and you've been, you've been thrown into this fishbowl more than any other hockey wife at this, yeah. you know? Um, it was so. weird like people posting things online like trying to guess like my weight and bra size like it was oh, just God. like oh stop I went, it, people I went from like a people normal are... wife to like international <sighs> spotlight over like the worst the, the worst situation. situation people are so gross like the messages you get like I always like <sighs> message you because I'm like what like they have no problems just going too far I'll read you this one I'm actually can considering making like a you know there's like the celebrities read like me reading shit posts yeah oh I'm God. gonna make one um I was going through my old phone um I can feel like I can read these now without getting emotional but someone sent me these when Colby was in the hospital and it says I think this is the day he got sick and it says sorry but he's not gonna make it out of this one the next time you see him he'll be in a body bag rest in peace straight talk express here he's gone even if he makes it you'll be wiping his butt and out cheating on him while he drools watching the prices right no oh no. my god that is so fucked up and that anyone can write that and think that they're fucking sweet just makes me <sighs> sick i was like getting when he was like in the hospital and then there was camera people and people were calling pretending to be me and I couldn't be with him because of COVID. <sighs> Holy shit. And at I any point like, where you, were you, this is, this is the difference too with like the way social media is now because there's it's such a hard, a tough way to separate yourself from it because it's mm -hmm. so readily available. So back in the day when you had to read a newspaper and it was a shitty article, I remember Ray would be like, don't read the papers. Cause I just get pissed off about whatever they were saying on a much lighter level in this all all having to do with hockey or his play or whatever. So I just yeah. didn't pick up the paper anymore, but when it's in the palm of your hand and, and if you have a public account, people are tweeting. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I would, I would be like needing someone to filter it for me. So I didn't have to read any of that. I think, yeah, I think it was good. Like I just reread that for like the first time this week. So it was good that it was like six months later, but I asked my family, I'm like, do you remember this? Um, and they were like, yeah, like in the moment I, but I don't, those yeah. days were such a blur. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm like kind of grateful that those days are a blur a little Whoa. bit. Totally. Um, well, because you're just, you're getting, you're, you're walking through this right now. Yeah, you're going to continue to walk through all these things and find strength in different aspects of it, I would imagine. And I, I remember um, Kelly Backus reaching out and that there, there was a call to prayer and on the positive note of people supporting you and people that don't know you wanting to send you all of their strength. I hope you what? felt that it, even that even in the shock and the situation that you were in. And I really think you do. I can I can see it in you when we talk here. Um, the outpouring of strength 
people people were texting me even we, you and i had never met but just through, yeah. through our community they're like send me the link again how do i get on the prayer how can i how can i be there and what can i do so yeah. i hope that those that was uh, like shows a of really support can win over these yeah like the yeah memories. it's learning to look at those like the 0.01 percent mm -hmm. of all the people and then 99.9 have all been so like those prayer chains I remember I actually that was another thing I don't I didn't remember them so a few weeks ago um I re-listened to one of them and it was so it was getting ready for the documentary and I was kind of like re-listening to it and you can hear me I remember that day um they had called it was a Friday um and they said uh like we knew he wasn't obviously gonna make it it was within hours and they had to do a scan but if they moved Colby in the slightest he would code um so they were like but we need to do this scan um and it was the exact same time as that prayer chain and I called Kelly Backus right before it and I said Kelly, no one else needs to know. Um, but during this time, they have to do a scan for Colby and he's most likely going to pass away trying to do this scan. And I didn't know if I should go on the prayer chain or what I should do. Um, so I was like, if I hang up, that's why, like he's going to be gone. Um, and I went on the prayer chain. So when I re-listened to it, you can hear me like, and it seems like I'm listening to someone else like in it, like you can hear me crying and you can hear me like thanking people for praying and that Colby loves them all and that, but it didn't sound like me. Like, I feel like even when I listen to it now, it sounds like a different person. Cause I think I was just in such a state of shock mm -hmm. then that it's hard to like imagine me as that person. Mm -hmm. um, but those prayer chains were like, they were incredible. Like Kelly and David did like such a good job putting that together. Yeah, they really did. Um, there were, were so many um, like beautiful heartwarming tributes to Colby too. Uh, I know that the, um, the Oilers, when they did their scrimmage at training camp and they all wore number mm -hmm. 12 and, and you were there. And then there were multiple others that were happening too. Were you able to get to other ones yeah and what so everything um I wasn't there for they did like a Saskatchewan Colby's parent Colby's family left like the next day mm -hmm. or 36 hours after he passed away they had to get back to the farm um so they flew out so they had like the car um recession for them so I wasn't able to be there for that but everything else um the scrimmage game the we skate for Colby everywhere all over Edmonton um the documentary, all of that stuff, um, I've gotten to be a part of, um, which is really special. The, the scrimmage was extremely hard. Um, it was me and his billet family, um, and my parents. And just like at that point in time, I hadn't seen any of the teammates really other than mm -hmm. Connor. Um, so being so close to them, um but only through a glass and like they were just trying to like put their hands up against the glass because I couldn't like hug them um oh, that was really hard. hard and you could like some of them were just crying um and you just want to there's a glass because of COVID and it's just it's just all abnormal delayed grief for sure um so I really look forward to the day I can actually like hug his friends and teammates. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure they feel the same. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I loved that those things were planned and that you got to, I know yeah. the class was in the middle, but that you got to experience it. And same thing for his family to have that support going home to Saskatchewan. There's so much grief with everyone, family, friends and, that he grew up with and relatives and, same with the, with his teammates and friends too, that there's just so many levels of grief and everybody trying to support one another however they can when you can't physically be together. Yeah, and especially like no funeral yet. Like we haven't had a funeral. So those like little things have like helped. It's just, it's this sad, sad journey, but hopefully with each each day that you're finding strength and that you're remaining resilient, like I, you know, you're looking... I'm sure you have uh, good days and 
really bad days. Yeah. How are you? Um, are you talking, you've, you've been very public about your grief too. Has this helped you along the way? Um, I mean, when Colby passed away, I knew I had like one or two options. Either I could not talk about it um, and kind of close off, or I could talk about it and like help other people, which is what I think Colby would want. So there's sometimes that I'm like, this is a lot. Um, but then I get messages from people all around the world that like thank me for being open about the grief and thank me for like sharing the story. So then I'm like, okay, it's worth it. Like if it's helping mm -hmm. one person, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. um, but there's some days that I definitely have like a media M and then like an M that's not media, um, which like is just finding like the fine line. Um, you can pick and choose as you go, like whatever yeah. you're comfortable with, like, and that's going to change day to day for totally. a long time. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. But I, yeah, I, I knew I had like one or two options and I definitely am glad that I'm like open and vulnerable, but sometimes I'm like, okay, <laughs> take nope. it day by day for sure. Um, there's good days or bad days. I mean, I think also, um, my therapist um, works with a lot of athletes' families too, which has been really helpful. Um, and she's worked with some hockey people. So I was talking, if it was like a normal, if Cole was just kind of like a normal guy, um, there wouldn't be so many levels to this grief. Obviously, there'd be a lot of levels, but even something the other day, it was free agency day. Mm -hmm. um, and Cole was going to be a free agent this summer. And I was messaging his agent who has been amazing like Jason is one of my favorite people his agent has totally taken me under his wing and it's just that other loss like something like free agency day that I used to dread being signed I feel like I'm like missing out and grieving over not having another free agency mm -hmm. um or like grieving not having another all-star break or not another home opener there's like those levels to the grief too that are kind of abnormal just because of right. being a hockey player which, right right which yeah. is something that like again like which is you know like comes with like our sisterhood and stuff like yeah you do grieve the loss of the like this life because it brought like adventure and fun and friends and like I don't know just kind of this different level of excitement and obviously a lot of yeah. like shitty situations too in hockey but you're grieving that lifestyle too like it's I don't know. I always looked forward to that stuff. It's like, it's not a bad thing to say either. Like, or like seeing like a kid with his Jersey, like one of our kids wearing his jerseys. Like those are kind of like the different levels mm -hmm. of grief you kind of think of. Um, so that's been like a kind of another level that I've been like trying to work through. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other set of firsts that you're going to have to go through. Yeah, definitely 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 an adjustment <laughs> but we're doing it you're doing it you Some are way, somehow you are with it. an angel on your shoulder prior to getting on our zoom call you had said you went to a friend's to use the wi-fi and yeah. you had orbs surrounding you i know the you signs know have been like really he's been really really good with signs i think he knows that i need them mm -hmm. um so orbs are like really really special double rainbows anything like unicorn unicorn yeah yeah that so pretty are special you, yeah are you starting to um i mean it's only been six months what's going on with the colby cave memorial fund yeah so that's been that was really special um i remember when colby passed i was like again like kind of being like a hockey wife sometimes your career goes on hold and you're schooling um because you just kind of fall you have to follow them um so I remember kind of being like what do I do now um and the Oilers had reached out to his agent and then his agent called me about starting the fund um and yeah that was it gave me a purpose like okay I'm gonna get out of bed and I'm gonna work on this um so obviously there's two parts to it some of it goes to uh, helping get equipment for underprivileged children, uh, sports equipment, and then the other half is mental health initiatives. Mm -hmm. um, so there's been like lots of calls um, with different hospitals, 
um, proposals, um, just constantly meeting with people. I have another meeting on Friday um, and then one next week. Um, so I definitely, yeah, the ball's definitely rolling again with COVID. It's kind of mm -hmm. hard. Like we can't go into hospitals right now or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, but for the mental health initiatives, I really want to uh, do an inpatient unit um, for a children's hospital. So I want to like specialize in inpatients and making it, um, I feel like more family friendly because um, sometimes like mental health units aren't necessarily the friendliest, especially in patients. Um, so making that more friendly, um, we're looking at doing a lot of different stuff through the Oilers. The Oilers kind of already had a uh, program put together that helped kids get underprivileged, that were underprivileged get sport sporting equipment. So looking at rebranding that, calling it Colby's Kids, um, that kind of stuff. So that's been really special. Swift Current is obviously doing decals. Um, the Bruins have partnered with um, us as well. So we're looking at doing stuff at the Chil Boston Children's Hospital. Um, Providence made the award in his honor, um, all of that kind of stuff. So it's one of those bittersweet things. You get an email or you're on Zoom calls making these decisions and you know that it's because of how incredible Colby was, but I would give it all just to like have him back. Um, but still trying to like do the best to like honor his legacy and carry it on. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely hard but there will definitely the Oilers will definitely be doing a lot of big things but again COVID we can't have any right you can't do a fundraiser or can't do anything, anything. Yeah. even um, even more time to plan something really special yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right that's true but I think having you involved is is a really beautiful gift it yeah. was so special um my family too was like that is the best thing you could have ever done for her mm -hmm. um to like help keep Colby alive and mm -hmm. carry on like his legacy for sure. So I'm really grateful that I'm yeah, doing that. Yeah. And I'm hoping that you're finding joy and some, and some strength in that too, as you go yeah. on, you know? Yeah, I definitely, I know it's like me and Colb's like purpose together for sure. And like I say before, like those kids will be our kids and we're going to help a lot of kids and mm -hmm. yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing like a lot of it come together for sure. Yeah. And you're obviously super close with your family. Yeah. And they're there right now. Yeah. My parents are here. Um, it was like Canadian Thanksgiving and then Colb's like six months. So they came out. Um, and then I was just in BC, like visiting my sister. I'm going to go back. Um, I think I'm going to like Swift Current and see his billet family soon too. And I'm surprised yeah. that you said you're visiting your sister because I thought you were visiting your niece. I do. And that's actually so true. <laughs> you can see your love for your niece so much yeah. on your Instagram. I'm like, wait, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I just actually went and bought her like new pink. Like they're coming here for Christmas. Um, Kolb's birthday is actually the day after Christmas. Oh, no. So we're going to do like, uh, um, we're going to do like no gifts, but like bring gifts into like the children's hospital and all that. But Sydney's never been to Edmonton in the winter. So I just like got her like pink Uggs. <laughs> you're like, you're going to need these. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> new like sweaters and that. So yeah, I'm definitely go for my niece. My sister's the best, but <laughs> my niece is better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so cute. Your and sister so doesn't. Sorry, I was going to say your sister doesn't want to rock the pink Uggs necessarily. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. I'm glad that they could be there, though. Obviously, like watching you on Instagram right now, like with the six months and it's like it's so nice that your family can just be there with you. And yeah, yeah, it was really, yeah, really, really nice. And I mean, everyone's been incredible, even from afar, but it definitely makes a difference having people with you in person. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm glad that you're in Canada for that purpose, that nobody has to quarantine before seeing you and you can freely mm -hmm. float you know, yeah. across the country. That's good. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, really lucky. I do want to try and get to like Boston and see a few people, but kind of hard with the quarantine. You yeah. can float to Calgary anytime. I know. I need to come to Calgary. I've only been to Calgary once for the Calgary Stampede. Like I think it was like four oh. summers ago. It was so Codettes. much fun. <laughs> personal playground 
<laughs> so many people's playgrounds, but what bar we were at, but it was I it was cow, cowboys. Cow. Was cowboys. it like a tent? Yeah. With like the cowboys stage. Tent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cole actually had his bachelor party there. Oh, Stop yeah. it. Kodette was like probably performing. Four, four days before our wedding. <laughs> four days? Ooh. I was so mad. I was like, you better not break a foot. Fine <laughs> <laughs> dancing. Yeah. That's Seriously. a sweet, that's a sweet spot for a bachelor party. Yeah. I think he had yeah. wear, like, a pink cowboy hat and all of that. But yeah, he is, it was the time of his life. Well, it is the time of your life. Absolutely. I'll definitely have to come down to Calgary. Yeah. Know, hopefully we have well, it this year. And the stampede, hopefully 2021, I'll blow the roof off for the stampede. <laughs> oh, you can just come to Arizona. We'll just come visit you. It's nicer there. Here's the deal. You're always welcome. The mm-hmm. weather is pretty awesome all the time. We know Wendy has her mansion on the hill that we can go. Her <laughs> castle. Her take castle over. on the hill. Jason's going to be in the bubble in Edmonton soon. He's gone for two months. He's going to be in Red Deer for a month and then Edmonton for a month. So, yeah. Okay. If I have to bring the kids up to wave at him, then we'll yes. say hi to you too. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, is, are they going to be in JW? Yeah. Probably. They'll probably do the same bubble scene that the NHL did. Because that is like right above, like I live above the JW. Oh, do you? Okay. I'm in the building. So you can just come on for Prosecco and oh, then we'll go down. See him through the glass. Wave, wave at him. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on and being willing to share your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, this journey is not an easy one. It has clearly rocked you to your core. And I just admire your strength. I know I'm sure you're grasping at it daily, but um, yeah. listen, girl, you're doing, I hope you can start feeling happy and bringing some joy into your life and mm-hmm. letting the memories of Colby bring you joy. I, I feel like they are, you, you smile when you talk about him here with us yeah. and of sharing your early stories together. I think, I think it's really special and obviously your huge love for one another. And you were saying like right away, you knew, I, yeah. I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm really lucky that I got like, he was only 25, but I'm lucky that I got to spend that with him like Mm -hmm. I got to be his wife I got to marry him I got to experience hockey like I try and really look at the positive that way Mm -hmm. um and I'm like really really lucky yeah and don't feel yeah like you know bring that joy that he would want you to have because that's okay like joy and grief can coexist so yeah you know don't forget that some days it's okay honestly I hope you just feel the constant love of your hockey community and family pouring mm-hmm. into you even the people that don't know you personally I, um, mm-hmm. I know the love is there yeah. beyond incredible like we're I said, not going anywhere kept me afloat yeah. um this whole time well sending you all kinds of continual strength and love and thanks for coming on and chatting with us yeah thank no you Emily. Any time. all right lots of love to you okay we'll talk to you guys later sounds okay. good Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Glow Anti-Aging. I've been going to Glow for the past two years and love the environment. I always feel refreshed and rejuvenated every time I leave. To maximize convenience and comfort, you can now pamper yourself at home by shopping all your favorite products online at gloantiaging.com and use the code OurHockeyLife for 10% off. Thanks for hanging out. You've been listening to Our Hockey Life with Codette LaBarbera and Bridget Whitney. Join us next week when we get to introduce you to another great hockey friend. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Our Hockey Life and at Codette LaBarbera.